like, hello, crime lovers, and welcome to Crime on Tap. I'm Megan, joined by my co-host, Sean. And welcome to our true crime podcast. Join us weekly as we drink our favorite cocktails and discuss gruesome murders, kidnappings, conspiracies, and more. Share the podcast with your friends, family, and heck, your grandma. Leave a review and make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Crime on Tap Pod. Tune in for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Whether you're driving to work or doing laundry, Crime on Tap will be sure to fulfill your true crime fix each week. And now, buckle up for this week's episode. Listen and enjoy. We're back. Hello, <laughs> we made it. We are back again, Megan. Can you believe it? It keeps happening, and yet I still can't believe it. <laughs> it happens every week, and every week I still can't believe it. <laughs> Is that the definition of insanity? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it, follows, it follows suits what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> so, how have you been? I've been good. Well, I shouldn't say good. I've been pretty unwell this week. I had a pretty rough <laughs> week. We got about 12 inches of snow, which was already depressing enough but not only that uh i slammed my thumb in the car door and it's been throbbing and in pain for the last two days and so yeah that's why i'm unwell <laughs> not been a good week for me <laughs> well at least you had this to look forward to right mm-hmm. i mean what else can i look forward to besides death and murder yes <laughs> that's a healthy hobby we have a healthy hobby how was your week pretty boring i didn't get as much snow as you but we got a, quite a bit of snow and live in the the quarantine life i know it seems like every time it snows it's like a shock to everybody that it's snowing it is so depressing living in this side of the nation where it is gloomy all day long you get inches and feet of snow and it's cold and it's just so depressing that is why i have seasonal depression or cabin fever maybe Alrighty, thank you guys for joining us again be sure to follow us all of our social media platforms we will be posting about our new episodes and what days they'll be coming out little teasers and just keeping you guys informed of everything that crime on tap has in store in the intro you hear the can opening noise and that moment means we tell each other what we're drinking because this is crime on tap and Mm -hmm. so we have a little murder we have a little alcohol and we have a good time and if you're in a of age and in a safe environment please join us so sean what are you drinking tonight well tonight since i am on heavy painkillers i thought it was Uh going to be unsafe to be drinking (laughs) so tonight I have a nice iced coffee because I'm not affected by caffeine and I can go right to sleep after drinking this. And I feel like coffee still gives you a little bit of, the, of a buzz, I would say. <laughs> it does, yeah. Um, So I am actually drinking. I mean, if you classify this, so I bought Trulies in bulk at Costco. <laughs> Ooh. And usually I prefer White Claw, but I mean, it's so cheap <laughs> at Costco. I had to get it. So Just had drinking, to get it. I'm drinking passion fruit, Trulies. I do enjoy that one. Yeah, I like it's kind of like pineapple-y, I would say. Have you did you try any of the the new holiday Bud Light seltzers that they came out with? I see them constantly advertised on YouTube, but mm-hmm. I haven't actually had any. You know what? I haven't actually seen them in stores. Like I don't think my stores even got the shipments. Probably because you and I we both live in areas where they're like, oh, we don't care. They're going to states that are more warmer and more open and with more people. <laughs> so we are talking about the Netflix documentary American Murder: The Family Next Door. <laughs> Should we tell people that it took you five times to say that? (laughs) I feel like we're filming the intro again. We should be experts by now. (laughs) 
That was so hard, but we got it. Okay, so we're talking about America Murder, The Family Next Door. Yes, and this is about the Watts family, W-A-T-T-S. Yes, this came out this year, right? Or no, it came out in 2020, so it's relatively new. I think the case happened in 2018, I believe. Very popular. Everyone's talking about it because it's just, it's so tragic yeah i mean you type in crime on netflix and this is one of the first results that come up it's a doozy and we're planning on possibly doing a two-parter for this because there is just so much in it that we want to make sure we cover everything and give you guys a nice little two-parter week after week episodes on the american murder the family next door and we took about 15 pages of notes and (laughs) it's not even everything we want to say so the first 30 seconds i have an opinion we're gonna be diving deep okay so let's get right in into it. So the mm-hmm. opening segment this documentary starts with a woman by the name of Shanann. Megan, do you want to spell that? <laughs> I shouldn't be making fun of her, but her name is so hard to spell. I have about seven different ways that I have spelled her name and <laughs> That's it. I, I, I can't give you a definitive answer on how to spell it. I can't even say I can pronounce it, really. <laughs> I believe it is S-H-A- N-N-A-N. Shanann. There's a lot of pauses there. I don't feel like you're confident. <laughs> but yes, I also struggled in spelling her name in the Google document. Well, and I, I even think at some point when the police are talking, they call her Shannon. So I feel like it's just universally <laughs> it's a difficult name, does not take away from the tragedy. Yes. But it's a very difficult name. <laughs> it is a difficult name. So the opening scene starts with this wholesome little Facebook video of Shanann talking about her life, videos of her kids kids, videos of her husband, Chris Watts, just like an all-American classic white picket fence, middle-class family living in Colorado. Now, this is the picture that Netflix likes to paint. They like paint it as nothing can go wrong for this family. They had everything. The family was perfect. You know what I'm saying? And they have two beautiful little girls, four-year-old Bella and three-year-old Cece. Celeste is her full name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see adorable photos of them, little tutus and dancing around. And they're just cutest little most innocent things and the reason why she has so many videos and stuff talking is because she works which isn't really important it's important to me (laughs) not necessarily important to the story strongly about it as well (laughs) Yes, we both feel strongly about where she works. She works for Thrive, which is, Chris calls it direct sales. I call it a pyramid scheme. Or multi-level marketing is now they have to be called MLMs because pyramid schemes are technically illegal, which this is. Mm -hmm. Which is just those annoying girls that you went to high school with that were either rude to you or ignored you. Texting you being like, oh girl, you look so good in your pics, but you know what? Look better if you bought my garbage you bought my weight loss supplement because you look so good but you look fat and if you take this you look so much better like that's not a compliment or just like oh i have my own little business i'm so i'm working from home i make millions of dollars on my phone (laughs) you don't make jack shit (laughs) well i don't know it seemed like the lifestyle that they're living it seemed like they lived a pretty good life you know it seemed like they had everything just by the video she was posting on facebook and and chris an oil (laughs) operator Mm -hmm. but i think i don't think they addressed it in the documentary you know, I also read tons and tons of articles that they also had financial issues. So I think they really put up a big front, mm-hmm. definitely. But I also think with the footage that they had, she's very open on Facebook about her 
relationship. And that's why her her family and her friends were very behind her because she shared everything with them. Literally, she is the one of the kind of people that I just mute. Like, I don't want to unfriend them because I'd feel bad, but I would just mute them. She was posting so much stuff, like just personal, like backstory in her life, like what she's feeling. Why are you posting so much? Does anybody care? Like, I'm sure her family cares, but she's just one of those people that was maybe overposting her life. Uh, but I think in the end, it works in her favor because we really know her story. But, That's you know, true, you don't yeah. make those thinking, oh, this is going to be great in the case of my murder. The next scene we get, Shanann's, one of her best friends, Nicole Atkinson. That's Nicole with a K. So don't get that confused. Oh, yes. That is very, there's a lot of spelling things in this. I feel like <laughs> this is the first Nicole, Nicole with a K, and she is probably Shanann's best friend. So we are seeing Nicole calling 911. She's worried about Shanann. Shanann's not answering her phone. She's not to her text messages. Nicole actually dropped her off at her home at 2 a.m. this day. And she has still not heard from her throughout the day. I think they were in Arizona for three days for a Thrive convention. So Nicole mm-hmm. also sells Thrive. She actually says it was a business trip. Yeah, I don't I don't know what business they were conducting with Thrive. <laughs> I, I don't know how much people know about Thrive, but Thrive is diet supplements, you know, that healthy living crap. They have like... <laughs> energy <laughs> you're laughing i take this so seriously i know so much about mlm so that's why i was like this got to be a two-parter because i'm gonna be talking about the mlm the whole time <laughs> i think it's not up for debate but maybe for others i'm sorry if any um, direct sales people are listening but i think you're in an mlm and then you need to get out you need some help <laughs> they're taking advantage of you hun so nicole said that she had an appointment they were at the convention and everything so that's how nicole knew that she had an appointment 9 a.m. that morning. So Mm -hmm. she texts Shanann and is saying, you know, how'd the appointment go? How's everything? Did you sleep well? And over the trip, Shanann was talking about some of her and Chris's issues too. So Nicole was, you know, checking up on her, making sure everything was okay. Yeah. And she didn't hear from her. And as we said before, Shanann's very open with her friends and her family and her online fan base, I guess, mm. that she has from, you know, doing her Facebook videos, her lives and stuff, trying to self thrive. So this is very odd. And so Nicole goes over to the house and sees that her car is there but you know the doors are locked she can't go in so she calls the police. Nicole was really worried for her because she was very sad and she would have to force Shanann to eat during their trip so she was just worried about her and then her not answering her phone she was just like you know I'm not going to be playing games I'm calling the police. Yeah and I'm pretty sure Shanann was very open on Facebook she was even more open with her friends Nicole knew everything basically she knew what was going on and she knew that prior to dropping her off that Shanann was not herself so she called them one an officer shows up and basically what we see is very raw footage which i'm very appreciative for this footage because it really shows the backstory of like everything in this case Mm -hmm. it's Um, body cam footage that legally mm -hmm. officers have to have running when they're on duty so and a lot of the footage in this is like straight up right in that moment yes what you is so amazing because you get to see the emotions of people you get to see their faces what they do when they speak their eyes are shifting you get to see those little quirks in people where you can see if they're telling the truth or if they're lying which in a lot of cases you don't get to see that footage so basically the officer shows up and he's like nicole what's going on she tells him the story she dropped him off at 2 a.m just got down a business trip she's not answering her calls her car is here and she's not opening the door basically the officer is like well i can't go into the house unless there's reason to go in i need permission from the property owner to go in basically the officer is just like i can't do jack shit i'm pretty sure nicole tells the officer and says chris will be home soon he's coming right home 
see what's going on. From there, we see body cam footage of Chris pulling up and running and shaking hands with the officer, being very cordial and opening the garage door and just welcoming everybody into the house. Now, once we get into the house, Shanann is not there. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and also I wanted to just slip in quickly that Nicole had called because the officer was coming up with reasons like, oh, maybe she's at her parents' house or something. Well, her mm-hmm. parents are in South Carolina. That doesn't make sense. North so Carolina. North Carolina, excuse me. <laughs> so <laughs> Nicole gets Sandy, who is Shanann's mother on the line. And the mother knows the code to the garage. And Nicole's like, okay, so can I go in? They're like, no, Sandy is not the property owner. And Sandy's like, I love this line. She's like, I gave you permission to go in my daughter's house, but <laughs> I still can't go in until Chris shows up. Yep. So we get into the house. Chris's presence in the house. He's very like shifty. He's very mm. jittery. He's very anxious. He's not acting like a person would be acting when their wife is missing and their kids are missing because the kids nor his wife are in that house. He immediately finds evidence, which I thought was very interesting. He's like, oh, the girl's blankies are gone. They don't he run runs into the bedroom. Them. Right? Yes. He runs into their bedroom and is like, the blankets are gone. And also Shanann's wedding ring is on the nightstand. Yeah. And he brings this to the officer's attention. He's the one that finds these things and that her phone is like on the landing or something on like the banister of the landing they find her phone she always has that she's Mm -hmm. always in contact people and the phone is turned completely off and as they turn the phone on there's messages coming in that we can see from chris asking shenan where she is if she's okay what's going on she's not responding because her phone's in the house and it's turned off Mm -hmm. and we see text messages from nicole from other friends um so she's always in contact i she's probably someone you know who plugs in her phone and it's right next to her pillow (laughs) yeah now we also see nicole she's frantic because she knows that shanann has a certain medication that she takes they find her purse on like one of the tables in the house and shanann's very important medication is inside the purse for nicole she knows something is wrong and this whole time while everyone's running around sandy is still on speaker of course the the mother is very worried too we kind of pause where we are there and about eight minutes in, we get into her backstory. So one reason why the medication is so important is that she has lupus, which is a very serious autoimmune disease that she battled with. And so she wouldn't go anywhere without her proper medication to take care of herself because it could be a big issue. Also on this backstory, we get the idea that Shanann, she was a very hard worker. Her family didn't come from money. One of her biggest goals was to build her own house, in which she successfully did. And also at this time, she was then diagnosed with lupus. Chris never knew her before having lupus. Yeah, she had a relationship before she was even married and she said it was a very hard, draining relationship. She didn't have any kids from that marriage, but she kind of resigned herself to being like, my life is going to be alone. I'm just going to be career focused. And she said that when she met Chris, she actively put him through hell, kind Mm -hmm. of like trials to be like, you know what you're getting into? Like she said, she took him to her colonoscopy, (laughs) which is a hard thing (laughs) to share with somebody. And then I don't know how long they had dated at this point, but she was sure to say, you know, I did everything to warn him of what he was getting into. You know, I had had a past relationship that was hard, had health issues. She finally let Chris in and they married. He was there with her at all of her appointments and everything. She couldn't have asked for a better man, she says. In one of her videos, she gushes about how she never thought she would find love again, a good love, and she found Chris. That's the kind of stuff she was sharing on her Facebook. Yeah, so we hear her whole backstory in her words because this is all something that she shared on Facebook, which is, it's very lucky that we have all that information. I am glad that she was able to have her voice heard even when her voice was silent. Yeah. So now about 
couple minutes in, we get a scene of Chris being like, so what do I do now? What's going on, guys? What do, Help me. What do I do? Do I drive around her normal route? <laughs> do, do I just drive around where she usually goes? It's like her car's there. So why would you? you know? And if she was on her normal route, then no one would be worried. Exactly. Uh, and... He's grasping at straws. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get a scene of now the neighbors have video footage that point out into the street. You get a little glimpse of Chris and Shanann's driveway, but there's some trees in the way, so you can't really see everything. So we get a scene from the officer and Chris go over to the neighbor's house, and this neighbor is, he is woke. I'm obsessed with him. <laughs> I, I think we would be best friends. <laughs> he kind of knows what's going on. <laughs> he starts showing video footage of Chris's truck being backed into the garage around 5 o'clock in the morning, the night Shanann got home at 2 o'clock from her business trip. The neighbor also literally while Chris is like there he's like oh but you never park your truck here you always park it across the street and he also said Chris never takes things in and out of his garage he's never doing work in the garage the neighbor was there but just the officer and Chris was gone neighbor was like yeah he never acts like this he never does this he's normally you can ask them he's normally quiet most of do he never talks so the fact that he's over here blabbing his mouth makes me kind of sad <laughs> Yeah, but, it, I mean, put yourself in this situation. Oh, I agree. You know, anyone's going to be nervous and you don't know what to do. I, I just, I love the neighbor because literally Chris is just on the other side of the glass door. Like, we could still see him. And the <laughs> neighbor's know. like, something ain't right with him. I don't trust him. He's fidgeting. He never yep. talked much. And the officer's like, well, consider what he's going through. And the neighbor's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But also, here's another scene shift. We learn that Shanann was 14 weeks pregnant, and she posted the reveal video of her telling Chris, and her shirt said, oops, we did it again. His, His reaction. reaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, Jinx. <laughs> His reaction cannot be more. Not excited? Yes. <laughs> Just like, oh, ha ha. And he said something along the lines of, well, I guess when you want it to happen, it happens. <laughs> I like that shirt. Really? Really. That's awesome. So pink means... That's just a test. I know. It just says the pink is going to be girls. I know. Just a test. That's awesome. Yes, I... Guess, guess when you want to, it happens. And then we get this little video that's so cute of the girls. I think it's the, the younger girl, Cece. She got, she points to her own belly and lifts her shirt up and like, baby in my belly? And the <laughs> girls are just so cute. And we get a scene where Shanann is saying how Cece, she wants to grow up to be Elsa. Oh my God. I was like, these kids are so cute. Oh my God. And also she says how important her family is to her because she didn't think she could have kids because of her health issues. Mm-hmm. So she's very happy and dedicated to her kids because she she didn't think that was in the cards for her. Yeah. She does make a point where she says that Chris, he wants a boy. So, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it's confirmed that it was a boy that they're having. I believe his name was Nico, is the boy's name. Yes, yes. They were going to name him Nico. You know, some people are like, oh, baby. You know, they refer to him as Nico. He was already a part of their family. Yeah. So next we go back to Chris's house. Basically, it's just a bunch of cops in the living room with Chris standing there. And he's like, I've exhausted all my options. I don't know who else to contact 
contact. I don't know what else to do. He said, I've talked to all of Shanann's friends. Like she had a lot of friends because she was a woman. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's, he multiple times says, oh, you know, Shanann being a woman and all. I don't know where. I don't know why she has so many friends, but you know, like why can't a man have a lot of friends? <laughs> I, I, I know. I would say that's very sad. I'm, I'm sorry that men feel like they can't have friends. I, I didn't know that was a female exclusive experience. <laughs> yes. At this point, Chris, he is just exhausted. He's thought of everything that he could have. Uh, and he doesn't know anything, what else to do within an hour of this happening. <laughs> he just, he's, he's done. Can't figure it out. Sorry. <laughs> so this all happened August 13th. So now the title card comes up August 14th. So it's been mm-hmm. a day and there is body cam footage of a police officer talking to Chris and just asking for descriptions of the kids in Shanann. So he's giving very detailed descriptions of all the girls in Shanann being like height, weight, and Shanann had a scar on her forehead and all of that. So that was pretty much that clip, but just showed that he really knew his family inside and out. He was very detailed, right off the cuff, knew all the answers. Yeah. And then about 18 minutes in, we get footage of the missing posters coming out. Then we get the police going door to door. They're canvassing. They're talking to residents in the area because this little neighborhood they were in was like, it was like a cute little neighborhood, you know? The houses mm-hmm. were pretty close together. They probably had a community garage sale once a year. Yeah, very so- middle class white suburbia. Nothing ever happens there. Chris did mention that they had some garage break-ins the last week, but I feel like it's a big escalation from garage taking some garden gnomes to murder, so... <laughs> Or kidnapping. So I feel like it's not really mentioned again. I don't, none of the neighbors that are even interviewed when I go door to door mention it. There is one woman that mentions she thought the police were there because there was a silver truck that was parked on the street that isn't normally there. Yep. And she said it wasn't Chris's, but he had a silver truck that was parked out on the street. So I'm, I'm not sure what to think of that. I think she was just looking out the window one day and saw a truck she didn't usually see around there. And she just kind of said it. Old nosy people. <laughs> Yeah. And then next we get the scene where the scent dogs come into the house. And oh my God, I love this. <laughs> the dog trainer is like, it is too immaculate in here. <laughs> yeah, she said it looked recently cleaned, which, mm-hmm. yeah, very important. So I, I love that part. I just, I always love, and I think I've, if you listen to our previous podcast, that I just love the people that are just seeing through shit. They don't care. They want to solve this crime. They're amateur detectives. Like, I, I love those people. Those are my favorites. <laughs> And we get Chris, he's now on, he's on the press. He's got the camera team here. They're talking to him. He's basically just saying, I hope they're safe. I hope they come back. Blah, 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 blah. We're doing all we can to get them back here. Saying what he has to say. And also while he's saying this, he's not crying. You know, Mm -hmm. he's not sobbing. Very much resembling Casey Anthony. (laughs) They -hmm. would be perfect for each other. Be like, oh, can you like find my daughter? Like, I mean... Whatever. I don't know. If you got time. Got some spare time. So after, you know, we see him talking to the press, is it another press woman he's talking to or is he talking to a police officer? I think it's a police officer, a detective. I don't know. I think it's a detective. And they're saying, of course, they always have to ask, did you have a fight right beforehand? And he says, not a fight, an emotional conversation. Yes. And he doesn't elaborate. And I just wrote this note. I don't know how old our listeners are, but it reminds me of the episode (laughs) with Zach and Cody where (laughs) Cody says, we're not arguing, we're having 
having a creative discussion. <laughs> Why are you trying to add nuances to it? An emotional conversation. <laughs> that just bothered me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that so that's what he says. They had a, an emotional conversation the last time he saw her. There was this one scene where, it, I think it was after he says they're having an emotional conversation and the investigator just asks, asks him another question and he says, I just want them back. And he like nervously smiles and he's like <laughs> grinning his teeth and he's like giggling. Like, I just want them back. <laughs> that makes a shiver go down my spine. So now we're switching. It's about 21 minutes in and Chris finally is going in for questioning. He finally says these, this intense conversation, emotional conversation was about they were losing their spark. So while yeah. Shanann took the girls for six weeks to North Carolina <laughs> to see both sets of grandparents and spend time out there, their time apart made Chris realize that he's falling out of love with her and they need to figure out something or separate essentially and he says himself that the best way to find out if you're losing the spark for somebody is to have some distance involved and he says i was losing my spark oh and then next we get the investigator where he was asking him playing good cop bad cop where Mm -hmm. he was like oh you had this serious discussion about your relationship one day and then the next day she's missing so what's what's going on here (laughs) right yeah that's not something that we can gloss over chris (laughs) essentially <laughs> which that's the thing like why would he i'm not trying to insinuate anything but why would he even bring that up why would he even make light that they had an inkling of a flaw or anything in their relationship because no one would know if he didn't say anything which isn't true actually because we know that shanann shared so much and mm-hmm. she's constantly texting her friends about that sort of thing so i feel like they probably would have found out through her friends interviewing her friends that because there is text messages between them that we'll see later on them kind of talking about the spark issue and all that yeah which primarily that's where we see a lot of the t- those text messages on this trip that shanann is on for six weeks with her family in north carolina we see shanann messaging chris she's upset with him because he's not taking the initiative to say that he misses his family misses shanann he doesn't want to facetime with the children he says he's busy so this is where we see a lot of shanann's frustration with him just not being a good father basically you know yeah i know I go to the grocery store for 25 minutes and my partner is like, I missed you. Call me while I'm there just to chat. Like that's such a long period of time and your entire family gone. And the reason why he, he would join them for the last week and that was because of work, which is totally understandable. But mm-hmm. she also made this, of course, in one of her Facebook things, made an interesting comment that she had said he probably wouldn't be able to travel with them for that long. Kind of insinuating he wouldn't be able to handle them traveling. He wouldn't be able to mentally do it and we see this I just want to mention a super cute video of the girls with Shanann's mom and they call her Nana which is so cute <laughs> that is cute 24 minutes in we're getting an interview from Shanann's best friend Nicole that about the third week in North Carolina Shanann had a fight with her mother-in-law Cece has a lot of a lot of mm-hmm. food allergies and there was a certain ice cream that was in the house that Cece could not have and Shanann was said no matter what do not give CC this ice cream. Yeah. That's Shanann's side. And so, of course, CC ends up having the ice cream from her grandma, Cindy, Shanann's mother-in-law, Chris's mother. And Shanann was very upset. Like, are you trying to kill my child? What on earth? And she's texting Chris being like, come get your mother. Cindy claims that Shanann never said, don't give her this ice cream. I mean, yep. we'll never know. But Chris seemed hurt about the situation. And then CC has her third birthday party up in North Carolina. And Chris's parents don't go and 
that upsets him. And this situation comes into play a couple of different times. And we know that Chris's parents never really liked Shanann. Yeah. And we get the backstory on why they didn't like her was because they felt like Shanann was stealing Chris from them. Because they all were a big family up in North Carolina and they felt that Shanann took their family and moved them all over the country to Colorado. So they resented Shanann for doing that. They felt it was her fault for doing that. Which, I mean, I can understand, you know, you want to be a part of your sons and grandchildren's lives, but that's also the reality of this this day and age. People leave their hometowns. Yeah. About 27 minutes in, we get another Facebook video from Shanann. She's saying, I used to live for others and now I'm living for myself and my family, which is an interesting little tidbit that they put in there. I think the point was showing how much she cared about her family. Um, I really wasn't a big conflict person. I always lived for other people until recently. Now I live for me and for my family. My kids. I live for them. Yeah, which now looking back on this, do you think she was posting that just to post it? Or do you think she was posting it in hopes that Chris would see it? Putting that out there, hoping that his eyes were going to see that video and to know what she was feeling. That's a good point. I feel like she understood that Chris was kind of waning and really wanted to keep him. But Mm -hmm. I don't know at what point this video was. I also feel like it's definitely part of the, I'm going to mention MLM again, part of the Thrive (laughs) MLM community to have those Facebook lives and show your products and talk about how amazing your life is. So I feel like it might also have been performing for the products too. See, that's where I thought it was difficult to really get a good opinion because was she doing this to be like, hey, look guys, my life was shit, but now it's better by Thrive or was she doing it to like try to save her relationship? So Was she just being honest? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. She posted a lot on Facebook. There are so so many middle-aged white moms who overshare on facebook Mm -hmm. you know like how we used to right before we knew etiquette i mean there are (laughs) people on facebook that i'm still friends with purely because they just keep the drama going and share too much (laughs) that you know i haven't spoken to since graduating high school or middle school or something but i keep them on because it's entertaining (laughs) (laughs) shadan would be that for me yes (laughs) and and i cannot be the only one i'm just i'm just the only one saying it We're back at the house on the day that they first discovered that uh, Shanann was missing. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's cooling off now that the dogs and stuff have been around. Uh, they can't find her. He's thinking that something has happened to them. He thinks that somebody has taken his wife and kids and he believes that it has to be someone that she knows. Right. He says, oh, I'm finally thinking, oh, wow, something really did happen to them. She's not just going to a friend's house after our emotional conversation. And there was no signs of a break-in. So he's thinking, oh, maybe... Maybe it's even someone we know that took her and the kids. Mm-hmm. Next, we get a clip from the trip in North Carolina where we already know that Shanann is pretty upset with Chris because he's not being a good father and just calling to see his kids. And then this is, again, where we see Shanann like oversharing, just like very intimate with her girl best friend, Nicole, telling her basically everything that's happening. She's basically saying that something's off with Chris. He's not acting, not acting like he's not acting normal. He's acting different. She had said to Nicole that Chris hasn't acted like this since they first got married and he was acting kind of standoffish and everything because his parents didn't go to the wedding already not approving of her so that kind of was brought up and she was worrying oh is this about the ice cream that he's acting about he's acting like this because of fine parents again and Nicole kind of says she doesn't kind of say she flat out says Shanann's pretty bossy not in a bitchy way she says but in a way to motivate out of love (laughs) and we kind of get the sense and other people say it too that she was it was 
was her way or the highway. She was very controlling of the situation. And yep. Chris was just kind of sat back and did whatever she said and let her do everything. And he was laid back and she was high strung. And she even says, and of course she's got her little video. She says <laughs> that she often has more patience for her for kids than adults. And there's a, it's a very uncomfortable video. I don't know how you thought about the Santa video. Oh my God. I didn't even know how to like take it. I don't know why she would even post that. Santa's here, but the kids are freaking out. Hey, Santa, where's your phone? In the garage. I wanted it. Oh. I always say I have more patience for children than I do adults. And I guess that goes for my husband. He's such a great guy to put up with me over the years. <laughs> Sit down, Santa. Have a seat. I'll try to get the kids. Oh, oh, oh. Here, Santa. Yes. Where's the phone? On top of your car in the garage? I needed it for pictures. Hold on. I gotta get the phone. This is hard. As one parent. I gotta get the phone so I can get pictures. Hold, please. My husband's a genius. Doesn't listen. Chris is dressing up as Santa and she greets him at the door. He forgot the phone in the garage and she's berating him, being like, sometimes it's hard being an only parent. He's <laughs> he's some sort of genius, clearly, you know, being sarcastic yeah, and just really uncomfortable, kind of belittling him. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm pretty so, sure this was like a Facebook live. Like she was live on Facebook when this was happening. And yeah, and she just flat out was just really embarrassing. It was just awkward just to even watch it and you know yeah. they put that video in there purposely to you know the show this the bossy side of shenan how she kind of just tossed chris around and wanted things her way if it wasn't done right then it was his fault but i'm sure at the end of the day she would probably apologize mm-hmm. i don't i can't see her she was very emotional she was she wore her shoulders on her she, <laughs> she wore her she what's the phrase she showed her, her heart on her sleeve <laughs> Oh my god. (laughs) She wore her heart on her sleeve and she always told him what she was feeling. So she knows she's bossy. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure there's video of her saying that she's very controlling and bossy and she likes things done her way. Yeah, and we we see her later on. We'll go into more depth of it. She is aware of her shortcomings as a partner and she does want to be better and does want to fix them. That's the impression I get anyway. Mm -hmm. That she doesn't claim that she's perfect. She does know that she's bossy and can be rude and belittling but she really loves Chris and her family and wants to work on it is kind of the opinion I get and we'll go more into depth when those pictures of the text come up um, which I fully believe that the MLM had a part in that these MLMs make you feel like you're like invincible you have solved all your problems you have dug yourself out of a grave and you are like this holy person and you have you have figured it out you have figured out life you have figured out how to be happy I feel like she was just trying to overdo that where she was yeah. just trying to push it on everyone and including her family yeah like we even see not in this particularly but doing research she was even having Chris wear the Thrive patches and he was doing it just for her and he didn't like it so mm-hmm. she definitely was forceful with, with her MLM and there definitely is a culture I would say around oh this product is amazing I've got my my band of boss babes behind me we're gonna <laughs> conquer the 
world and everyone who doesn't believe in it is little and I've got to save them and save yeah. them with Thrive Patch and all that garbage. Okay, so next we get Chris. He's now being interviewed by detectives and they're in the room and the detective, you know, he's just doing questioning. He's asking Chris if he ever had an affair. He just comes out and says it. Have you ever had an affair? Chris says no. Of course he's going to deny it. And the officer is like, wow, you're really fit now. Which I thought was odd because clearly he was stalking his Facebook or something to know that he was bigger back in the day and now he's really fit. <laughs> clearly did his research and he knows. I think he makes the comment where he's like, oh, a lot of the signs of cheating <laughs> begins with uh, guys getting fit. So that's why I'm asking you the question if you're having an affair or not. Oh yeah. <laughs> when my boyfriend heard that, he was like, oh my God, now every time I, I work out, you're going to think I'm cheating on you. <laughs> yep, exactly. It's been ruined. No. Yeah. I mean, that's not a healthy outlook, but I do feel like it's kind of, I mean, people do think that. Yeah. Which, I mean, the officer, he's just really, he could just say anything and just hope whoever he's trying to get something out of just cracks. Yeah. They really just push buttons. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and the officer then sums up by asking, are you going to do a polygraph? And Chris agrees to it. It's almost like without hesitation. Mm -hmm. He's just like, sure, I'll do one. I don't care. I'll do a polygraph. <laughs> almost like maybe he, he expected it was going to come to this and he was preparing. Yeah. Yeah. So after that clip, about 33 minutes in, there's this, and it's not explained, this weird clip of Chris, and it's clearly in the past because he does look bigger, as we had mentioned, doing like a relationship seminar. And he's talking about deterioration of relationships. Mm -hmm. And I noticed something. He gives horrible advice <laughs> throughout the entire thing. <laughs> he does. One of the things he says is, oh, sometimes, you know, having a baby can help repair a relationship. I'm like, that's a <laughs> terrible idea. It is not an infant's duty to fix your failing marriage. <laughs> And like, so if the marriage fails and the child has failed you, like that is going to screw up the kids so bad. And he just goes on and it's just all terrible advice. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought that clip was so odd because were they in like couples therapy or something? Was that what that was from? Because why would he just randomly be giving a presentation on relationship? Yeah, I, I was annoyed that there wasn't any context for that. Yeah. Some of the other things that he was saying, like that if you see someone and you're very attracted to them and you think, oh, this person would be worth leaving my whole life for and maybe there's something wrong with your marriage i'm thinking mm. yeah no shit <laughs> it's just like horrible advice like i i that's why i want to know the context of this yeah. was, was he saying what not to do in a relationship i, I know there's no I, backstory on it no so yeah it's a very very strange clip my name is chris watts i'm doing my speech on our relationship deterioration and repair you have to ask yourself three questions when you're in a relationship do I have a desire to keep this relationship going? Do I have a moral obligation to stay in this relationship? Or is it a necessity for me to stay in this relationship? Or sometimes a necessity could be children. Sometimes when you have children and your relationship starts to deteriorate, a child could help their parents. When somebody is not faithful to their partner, the partners realize that the relationship cannot be sustained. Gradual would be if you met somebody at work or a new friendship has occurred and you, as it goes on, you see that 
they marry this relationship has more potential. <laughs> yeah. And then the next clip we get is of Chris's supervisor, Luke Apple, And we just get the officer asking him simple questions. If he ever thought that Chris had an affair, his supervisor says no. He's just asking him where he's working. Basically, he just kind of feels bad for him. He thinks he's a good guy. He didn't think he did anything wrong. And he didn't think he, he has anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. His work site comes into play. So it's really interesting how they kind of like sprinkle in seeds yeah. of stuff. So even as you're watching it and you're thinking, well, why did they show this to me? It all comes together in the end, which is really interesting. I was saying before we started rolling that like a show like Snapped, like our last episode, they give you pretty much the synopsis in the first few seconds and then they kind of tell you what happens. But this, we're on the journey together. We're learning about the Watts family murder together. Yeah. It's not saying this is what happened and this is how it happened. It's just we're on the journey together. And so that's, I think, really interesting and it makes it more impactful, I would say, too. So yeah. this is very, I think, masterfully done documentary. Yeah, I really liked it. So next we have basically doomsday for Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> On August 15th. So we're only, this is only two days later. Mm-hmm. This is happening quick. There's a you lot know, of information. August 13th is when we get the police call from Nicole. The 14th is when Chris goes in for questioning. And then literally the next day, we have Chris going in for a polygraph. They are wasting no time. They are mm-hmm. contacting his friends and family. They have contacted the his supervisor. The investigators were on it. You know, I think they've learned something from the Casey Anthony case. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I feel like this is one case that the cops were really on it. <laughs> I know, they really were. But I mean, Chris was a big help too, so. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Again, we're on doomsday here. We are at the scene of the polygraph. We get a detective, which we just have to mention she's a woman and she's a badass. We don't even know her name, but she's mm-hmm. amazing. And um, she has like a black and white striped cardigan yeah which i just stuck out to me because the i think graham is her detective partner he's like you know in a suit and she's just got this stylish (laughs) striped cardigan with a statement necklace yeah but she is professional she knows her job inside and out and she (laughs) is very important in these later parts i don't know her name but like you said but she she's incredible she's just like the neighbor like she's just she plays a big role in this case yes Which in the beginning, I didn't even think just seeing her, she was just so casually dressed. I thought she was just like one of those polygraph people. She's just going to ask the questions and that's it. She's going to leave. But no, she was like, she was doing her job. She was in it. So we see her, she's asking Chris what happened that day, just getting a backstory on everything. And he tells her that he woke up Shanann. He talked to her about selling the house, about the separation and the polygrapher. Then she asked if Shanann had accused him of anything. We get the answer from Chris where he's like, Shanann being a woman, she asked if there was somebody else that he was seeing, blah, 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 blah. Basically just trying to paint a bad light for Shanann, I feel. Really, like being a crazy woman and all, she thought I was cheating, but really I just needed to separate. But she's crazy accusing me, you know, the unhinged woman sort of narrative. And then we get the line from the detective doing the polygraph where she says, you would be really stupid to be here right now if you had anything to do with the disappearance of your wife and daughters. And she says it like three times and she's like laughing she's like (laughs) it would just be so stupid (laughs) like if you had anything to do with it and you were sitting here and doing a polygraph it would just be so stupid (laughs) it's like she's expecting him to be like oh you know what i think i'm just gonna stop here 
<laughs> yes. And you know what? That is a great tactic. She like trapped him, basically. If she didn't say that and he got up and just left, like, he could have just claimed, oh, he was nervous. He didn't believe in the polygraph. You're not obligated to take it. But since she said that, if he got up, she could have been like, oh yeah, he's guilty. He would look so bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's all recorded. So it would definitely be used in the trial against him. So if there is one, she is simply brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so she goes on to say that, you know, we want you to be confident. We want to see confidence that you're not a part of the disappearance. So he's answering questions. The first questions they ask are basically, is your name Christopher Watts? Yes, it is. Then mm-hmm. what happened Monday morning? Did you physically cause their disappearance? Are you lying about the last time you saw Shanann? And she stops him and is like, okay, you're breathing all over the place. I'm. You need to calm down. Like I can't get a great reading if you're being crazy. In that moment, Chris had to been like, oh shit, I'm failing. If they stop you and say you're breathing all over the place, you're probably lying. I mean, it's not a good look. And he just says, oh, you know, I'm so I'm so nervous. This is just such a hard experience, all this. Which is valid, but, <laughs> big but. <laughs> Yeah. There's an interesting thing that happened. She asked, since 2018, have you said anything, said anything out of anger to a family member? Which I feel like I've done and I love my family. Just being yeah. like, brother's annoying me. Just be like, oh my God, can you just shut up? Like that's yeah. something to say out of anger. Yeah. And at first he says yes without thinking. And then he says, uh, no. <laughs> that is so suspicious. Like I feel like everyone yes. has said something to someone out of anger. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean you're guilty of hurting them. Right. But he feels the need to fix his answer. This question is so telling. In the beginning, she's like, you have to be confident with all your answers. First saying yes, and then saying no to this easy question about being angry about a family member. When he says yes, he probably thinks in his head like, oh crap, I gotta say no. Like, Why would I say yes? You know, they're gonna think I killed my family. So then that's why he says no. Mm-hmm. Polygraph is, is a big, big part of this. It's just so shocking why he wanted to take it. I don't understand. <laughs> well, I have a theory about that, but we gotta wait till next episode. Oh my god, you're gonna cut us off like that? Oh my god, I'm cutting you right off. <laughs> I'm taking you right off the tee. So guys, I hope you enjoyed. We hate to leave you on this little cliffhanger, but here we are. We're doing it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the first half of American Murder Family Next Door featuring the Watts family. If you are begging for more Crime on Tap with us, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube on Crime on Tap Pod. Yes, we really hate to be leaving you guys off like this but this is a big case and we just want to do a little two-parter and we'll give you the second half next week so be sure to listen to us next week as we get the results of this infamous polygraph test and the aftermath is so sad i'm sure we all expected that (laughs) yes we'll see you next time where where crime crime is is always always on tap tap.